Welcome to the Daily Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Tillum. I want to help you by teaching you simple daily habits with large benefits, educate you about chronic medical conditions without heavy, meaningless medical language, and help you to get the most out of your every encounter with your primary care physician. The Daily Doc Podcast, making you healthier and wealthier day by day and helping you to dodge the hospital. Let's get started. Good morning or good evening and welcome back to the Daily Doc Podcast, your daily dose of common sense medical advice and guideline-driven information triple distilled for your enjoyment. As always, I'm Dr. Stephen Tillum. I work in the hospital. This means I get to see patients long after they've lost control of their chronic medical conditions, struggled with infection, or had an unforeseen accident. I would argue it's the best job in the world. I make sure to bring my best and brightest self to my job every day so that I can educate, inform, and treat people on their worst day. I will admit, though, I was motivated to make this podcast for a moderately silly reason. I see thousands of patients a year, more so with COVID, I'll admit, but the sickest patients often share an incredibly high number of chronic medical conditions and problems in common. Patient A and patient Z may have very different lives, living in different settings and prioritizing different things. But after all of that, their actual list of medical complaints can be stunningly similar. So let's talk about it. The 10 most common diagnoses that put Americans like you in the hospital, according to the 2018 Healthcare Cost and Utilization Project produced as researched by AHRQ, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. Oddly enough, this show starts with a little bit of sunshine. The number one reason for Americans to be admitted to the hospital for an inpatient stay, that means longer than 48 hours, as opposed to an observation stay, less than two midnights, is a wonderful one. Number one, live birth. Welcome to the world, little person. In America, babies born in the hospital are admitted to the hospital on minute one of life. They undergo routine medical screening for a number of critical health conditions, hearing screens, and initial vaccinations. This happened nearly 3.6 million times in 2018. Unfortunately, after this point, the list gets serious, and in some ways, seriously deadly. Here's the list in a row. I'll break them down for you after a quick break. Number two, septicemia. Number three, heart failure exacerbation. Number four, osteoarthritis. Number five, complications from childbirth. Number six, pneumonia, not including tuberculosis. Number seven, complications of diabetes. Number eight, acute myocardial infarction, also known as heart attack. Number nine, cardiac arrhythmia, also known as heart rhythm disturbances. And finally, number 10, complications of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That sounds like a day at work for me. So much medical lingo in a row on my podcast is nearly unforgivable. Let's take a micro break here and we can come back to untangle this complicated mess. I'll define these problems for you and give you some useful tips on how to avoid becoming another statistic 
in the future. Welcome to the break. I have a fun challenge for you. We'll be learning a lot of interesting things together, so why not test your brain? I'm going to list three items, and I want you to test yourself. Can you remember them by the next break? Let's see. The items, which I encourage you to say with me once you've heard them once, and yes, I will repeat them, are blue balloon, green chair, and red hat. All right, your turn. Say them with me. Blue balloon, green chair, and red hat. I'll catch you at the next break, and we can see how you did. Welcome back from the break. Let's get to that horrid list and break it into something worth knowing. Reason for admission to the hospital, number two, septicemia. What is sepsis? In common words, a condition where your body is working to fight any kind of infection with a known source and showing symptoms significant enough to alter your vital signs and laboratory studies done on blood samples. So what does this look like on a patient? Often a sick, appearing, possibly confused person with limited urine output in the last 24 hours, limited appetite and fluid intake, people with sepsis can look very toxic. Importantly, sepsis is a spectrum. It can be mild or severe and can definitely be life-threatening. So what do I mean when I say vital signs? I bet you actually know quite a few of them offhand, but the important ones in a hospital for diagnosing sepsis are blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate, and temperature. Which particular labs are physicians using to diagnose sepsis? Your white blood cell count, the infection-fighting cells in the body, are often elevated significantly in the face of severe infection. Rarely, they can also be very low, indicating other kinds of infection, which is an important clue for your hospital doctor. Additionally, they will monitor your lactate, a byproduct of your body which tells doctors how well your body is working despite the burden of fighting infection. Let's face it, anyone can become sick. From ultramarathoners to couch quarterbacks, we are all at the mercy of bacteria and viruses. So what can you do about it to improve your chances of avoiding the hospital from sepsis. Let's start simple. Washing hands. Washing your hands is critical for maintaining your health. The most infectious source on our bodies is the bacteria that winds up on our hands, makes its way to our food, and eventually into our mouths. So wash your hands. We use our hands for pretty much everything and keeping them clean is the most significant way to reduce your chances of infection. Next, your skin. This is the body's natural armor against infection. Keeping your skin well hydrated, as well as maintaining it and preventing wounds, can markedly decrease your risk for infection. If you have a wound, clean it with antiseptic. Use a Band-Aid or other adhesive strip to cover it. Anything more than a small injury may actually benefit from looking over at your next doctor's office visit particularly if you're struggling to heal your injuries. Next, your diet. Eat healthy. Help your body to be ready for infection so it can do its job. And finally, do not wait too long to be seen by a PCP or urgent care. 
there is no harm or embarrassment in being told by a physician, physician's assistant, or nurse practitioner that you are going to be all right. They will be compassionate and provide you with support, recommendations, and often, but not always, some medication to help with your symptoms. Avoiding an early look at an evolving problem may result in significant worsening, delayed action, and ultimately, a worse outcome. Reason for admission number three, heart failure exacerbation. What does this look like? A patient with either a pre-existing diagnosis of heart failure or a new episode comes into the hospital with significant shortness of breath, swelling in their legs, difficulty laying flat, and notable weight gain in a short period of time. So how can you avoid this? If you have heart failure, I really recommend the five-minute daily health check-in episode of my podcast as a great tool for staying on top of your weight, symptoms, and medication compliance. Dietary, watch your sodium. Guidelines recommend less than two grams of sodium a day. That means you have to start reading labels on your foods. If you have a bad heart and you have, hard, you have bad heart failure, as described by your PCP, you may also have a daily fluid intake limit. Try to stick to this number when possible. If you don't have heart failure, work on protecting your heart through good diet, exercise, and management of any other chronic medical conditions. Any cardiac risk factors that can lead to a heart attack or other cardiac injury may result in heart failure. Reason to be admitted to the hospital number four, osteoarthritis. What does this really look like? To me, as a physician, I think this can be reread as pain. Patients present to the hospital in pain for any number of reasons. As a physician, I take pain very seriously. Maybe slightly less so if it's reported as 100 over 10 while the person is playing on their cell phone and or sleeping as I enter the room, to be totally honest. This means that evaluation of pain can result in admission and workup for other serious causes. Osteoarthritis means bone wear from time and repetitive use. It represents no emergency and rarely requires hospitalization for management. The pain, however, does require evaluation for other causes which might be dangerous. So how do we avoid this? If you have pain, Go through the Organized Complainer's Guide to Medical Problems and see how your pain stacks up. When did it start? Has it been there for years? Has it remained the same for all that time, or did it significantly change recently? Have you addressed it with your PCP before coming to the emergency department? Remember, hospitals are always happy to help you. There's no shame in being told you're not sick enough for hospitalization. Come to the hospital if you're scared or worried. We really are there to help you. Number five, for reason to be admitted to the hospital. Complications of childbirth. Post-delivery is a difficult time for the human body. There's a reason Viking historians considered childbirth equal to warfare. These complications can vary from infection to bleeding and any other number of problems in between. They happen significantly less than the annual birth rate. So be reassured, moms in America tend to do very well. The data from 2020 shows that death, an obviously terrible outcome, only happens 
zero 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 two three eight percent of the time, or about twenty three times in one hundred thousand deliveries. Work with and trust your OB. Delivery is very safe in the states, and you will be fine if you're pregnant. For reassurance, consider that in 2020, in the state of Mississippi, the fatality rate when driving a car was actually 25.4 people per 100,000, meaning driving to the hospital in Mississippi may have actually been more dangerous than delivering your baby there. Reason for hospitalization number six, pneumonia excluding tuberculosis. What does pneumonia or lung infection without sepsis look like? It's a productive cough, meaning you make sputum, shortness of breath, fevers, fatigue, and an infection, as well as findings on a chest x-ray. This can be both bacterial or viral. Bacterial meaning it has a bacteria as its source, and viral meaning it comes from a virus. Remember that COVID-19 is a virus and it causes a very critical pneumonia. Like sepsis above, the same recommendations apply. Wash your hands, eat good food, avoid sick contacts, and maintain a healthy weight. Reason for admission number seven, complications of diabetes. What a giant category. What does this look like? There are a number of different problems that can come from diabetes that result in a hospital stay. To list a few of the major ones, they include hypoglycemia or low blood glucose, diabetic foot infection, uncontrolled high blood sugar, and finally, something called diabetic ketoacidosis, which I look forward to teaching you about in my diabetes series. Each of these conditions would require a book to fully describe. But here are the Cliff's notes. Hypoglycemia, very low blood glucose, usually due to medication, insulin, and some other injectable or oral medication overdose. Sugars on a glucometer measure in the 40 to 80 range. The patient usually has a short time of feeling sick, may present with confusion, tremors, and hunger. This can be as mild as a headache and as severe as a life-threatening coma. How do we avoid this problem? If you have diabetes, stick with your medications as prescribed by your PCP. Do your glucose measurements before giving yourself insulin every single time. Maintain a regular steady diet. And look forward to further information in the Diabetes Podcast series. Diabetic foot infection. The diabetic body fights infection poorly and the sensation loss in the feet from poorly controlled diabetes results in some pretty bad wounds. Often these need high-dose antibiotics and may even need surgery. So how do you avoid this? Take care of your feet. Diabetes causes neuropathy. Sometimes you can have painful feelings or even lose sensation in your feet and legs entirely because of damaged nerves from high blood glucose. Of course, this will get a further explanation in the Diabetes Podcast, but please take care of your feet. Check them daily for injuries and stay in good communication with your PCP if you get even a small wound on your feet. Extremely high blood sugar. This can cause uncontrolled thirst, urination, and even confusion. Often sugars on a glucometer or glucose meter well over 1,000. 
usually quickly improved with insulin, but sometimes requires more evaluation. So how do we avoid this? Like the other conditions of diabetes, keep up with your diagnosed medications and watch your diet. Finally, diabetic ketoacidosis. This is a medical condition where the body does not have the ability to do the normal parts of metabolism or the mechanisms by which your body breaks down food for energy because it lacks the signal from insulin. Instead, it goes into a backup mode that gives you energy protecting your brain while unfortunately turning your blood increasingly more acidic. Usually, patients with diabetes with DKA or diabetic ketoacidosis come into the hospital looking like very high blood sugars, abdominal pain, nausea, confusion, and sometimes even coma. We avoid this similarly to the previously mentioned conditions. Keep up with your insulin, watch your diet, and maintain a good relationship with your primary care physician. So how do we avoid these all in general? Take your diabetes seriously. Learn about and master your diabetes. I have a ton of useful tips I plan to share with you in the middle, in the multiple part diabetes episodes. Do the five minute daily health check in, discuss your medications with your PCP, become educated about diabetes, read. Well controlled diabetes will not cost you a single day of your lifespan. However, completely ignored diabetes can kill you incredibly quickly or worse torture you for a lifetime. Let's take a quick break before tackling the last three reasons to be admitted to the hospital. I also want to see whether or not you remember what we talked about in the last break. Breaks in learning are a great way to improve your ability to recall information. If you want to learn more about that, read up on the Pomodoro. That's P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O, learning style. Now that we're back on break, I can ask you to try and recall the three words I shared with you before. Do you remember them? I'll give you a couple of seconds to fill in the blank before I reveal them. All right, your turn. Try to be honest with yourself. Those three items were blue balloon, green chair, and red hat. So how did you do? Did you have a strategy to remember them? Personally, I imagine sitting in the chair, wearing the hat, and holding the balloons. Five-minute recall is a test your physician may ask you to do in the future, so keep training that brain. All right, back to the final three reasons Americans are hospitalized. Reason to be admitted to the hospital number eight, acute myocardial infarction, also known as heart attack. What does it look like? I think most Americans know what a heart attack sounds like. Crushing substernal chest pain, that means underneath your chest plate. The sensation of an elephant sitting on your chest. Acute or rapid onset, radiating pain to the jaw or left arm. But did you know this textbook presentation is not always how it happens? Some patients come in with heartburn, some with shortness of breath, and honestly, some patients have no symptoms at all. 
Females typically present with fewer symptoms than males, but heart attack rates are certainly near equal in both. They are just much less often caught in our female patients. So how do we avoid it? Avoid diabetes and obesity with good diet and exercise habits. Both of these are significant risk factors for heart attack. Avoid stimulant drugs like cocaine or methamphetamine as they place undue strain on the body. Avoid overconsumption of alcohol as it can certainly place an additional burden on your heart. Take any blood pressure medications you have as prescribed by your PCP. You can do all things right, but some risks you can't change. Your age, unfortunately, will continue to rise. Your family history will be immutable or unchangeable no matter what you do. Family history of cardiac disease in a primary relative, that means mother or father, and even your siblings, should be reported to your physician, particularly if it happened before age 50 in men or 55 in women. I always recommend doing your 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise every other day as well. Reason to be admitted number nine, cardiac arrhythmia, also known as heart rhythm disturbances. Rapid nonstop heartbeats, new heartbeat patterns, and other problems fall into this category. What does it look like? For some, it may be totally without symptoms and be part of their workup if they came in for a cough or cold. It may also be associated with the feeling or sensation of fluttering in your chest called palpitations, shortness of breath, or even dizziness. People often also report fatigue associated with this problem. You can actually use your technology at home to see your heart rate. Most iPhones and Apple Watches can do this for you, and I routinely see new products on the market to check your heart rhythm. The last one I saw was a the size of a card that fit in your wallet, and it was re relatively well studied and approved by the FDA. So how do we avoid needing the hospital for these problems? Avoid wild dietary changes, crash diets, or new supplements. Avoid stimulant drugs like cocaine or methamphetamine, as again, they place undue strain on your heart. Protect your heart from heart attacks as above, and remember, this problem is also associated with previous heart damage. If you struggle with atrial fibrillation, a particular heart rhythm irregularity which can be lifelong, this may be something that you routinely struggle with. So work closely with your cardiologist and maintain great compliance with your home medications. Finally, reason to be admitted to the hospital number 10, complications of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also known as a COPD exacerbation. What does it look like? Patients with COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, who present with more or worsening of a normal cough, more or change in the quality of sputum or phlegm, and worsening in shortness of breath and an increase in the need for supplemental or supportive oxygen therapy. This often goes along with a diagnosis of pneumonia as they share lots of overlap. What can you do to avoid it? When you notice changes in your daily COPD symptoms, begin to record in your notebook what day it started and what you noticed. Communicate with your PCP early and often. 
This problem can sometimes be addressed early and prevent hospitalization altogether. Well, there you have it, folks. An overview of the 10 most common causes of hospitalization, along with some small recommendations you may be able to use to avoid needing the hospital and contributing to the yearly rates of admission. Here's the final reminder regarding the 5-minute daily health check-in. It directly protects you from 6 of the top 10 problems if you do it honestly and comply with your medications. Once again, I'm Dr. Tillum. Thank you for picking up this episode of the Daily Doc Podcast and listening in. I hope you've learned something that will make you healthier and better prepared to avoid the hospital. I want to share an important thought with you at the end of each episode. You are an educated and newly informed consumer of healthcare. You are becoming an organized complainer, which will allow you to maximize your value in your primary care physician visits. This podcast is not intended to replace or challenge the efforts of your primary care physician. I want you to use all of your knowledge to squeeze all of the value you can from that critical relationship. All medical decisions should be discussed with your PCP, and I even encourage them to listen to the podcast. Remember, that physician has committed their life and efforts to preventing patients from needing the hospital in the future. They are a trusted resource, and I couldn't be more thankful to my amazing colleagues. This podcast was brought to you through the power of Anchor Podcast app, empowering everyone to share their knowledge through podcasting. Please find more episodes of Daily Doc Podcast on all major listening apps, including Apple, Overcasts, and of course, Spotify. Please like and rate the show.